Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. So tell me about last night. Well, it wasn't what I expected. It had the perfect amount of spice. Sounds hot. It had all the flavor, and I wanted more. The ghost pepper wings from Popeyes are just so delicious. Wait, I thought you were talking about your date. Sometimes, things aren't always as they seem, like Popeyes ghost pepper wings that have the perfect level of kick and flavor. Try them for only $5 today. Limited time at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. Tax extra. Love that chicken from Popeyes. Autosport Podcast. We explain how Max Verstappen dominated the Mexican Grand Prix and hail Lewis Hamilton, five-time world champion. Verstappen claimed a dominant victory in the Mexican Grand Prix, while Lewis Hamilton claimed his fifth world championship after a very difficult run to fourth, with all sorts of tyre problems. Lots to talk about from this race, so let's see who I've managed to lure into my hotel room in the centre of Mexico City to talk about it. First up, we have, have James Roberts. Good oh, evening, Straw. How are you? I'm, I'm very, very good, thank you. I'm, I'm especially happy now I've brought myself a new keyboard after a small water mishap. There was a slight earlier concern that this podcast wouldn't go ahead because of your um, water into the keyboards of your um, Mac laptop. Yeah, there were certain key letters that would not work. So while while it was substantially working, I couldn't actually uh, put in the password to, to get into it. So it's a uh, it's very very positive. So uh, that we've managed to get this uh, this new keyboard in. That was a, that was a good hurried post race charge. F and one are the two keys I think you need to have working on a on a laptop, don't you? That's very very good, very very good. Uh, have you enjoyed Mexico City? You've just been inspecting the uh, the random map of Mexico on the, on the wall. Oh, yes, I've, I was admiring your uh, vintage map of Mexico. Uh, I have to admit, it's not mine. It was with the hotel room when I got it. <laughs> Might surprise you, the television, the beds, none of this is mine. This um, this hotel's quite quirky, isn't it? It's, it feels very 1940s. It feels it's all quite faded glory, isn't it? Faded, yeah, faded grandeur as you enter the lobby and there's huge bookshelves and uh, plants and um, the hotel bar has got bottle after bottle of all sorts of curious types of tequila and um, not that I'm a fan of tequila personally but uh, it, we're right in the centre of Mexico aren't we we're just um, a, a block away from Reforma which is uh, at the weekend where they have their um, which is now a tradition of their uh, parade of the Day of the Dead festival as you saw in the in the James Bond opening in the film that, uh, from a few years ago so uh, Spectre Spectre yeah it's a, it's, so it's um. It's a great city. Scott, have you enjoyed your first visit to Mexico City? It's my first visit to Mexico City for Formula One. I've been here a few times for Formula E, but when I came... It doesn't count. 
Yeah. <laughs> Not irrelevant. <laughs> when I came here for that, I the last couple of years I've stayed at the airport. It's been a few years since I was actually in. Or just in the terminal. Yeah, just 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 chilling at a Shopping, duty free. Yeah, exactly. It's really cheap. You can get twenty percent off. It's lovely. Um, now it's uh, it's nice to be back in a in a hotel that's actually sort of in the middle of town. So. Although that puts you at risk of the um, ludicrous amounts of traffic that this uh, interesting and vibrant city throws up, uh, it's quite cool because it just means you can you can have a little wander around. I don't find it too threatening. When I came here a couple of years ago, um, we got given a warning not to use um, a certain taxi app to stay away from a couple of streets when we were getting into taxis, and it was all fairly ominous. But it's been very pleasant this time. Yeah, it's a nice place. Of course, Scott Mitchell is the Scott being referred to there. The thing I'm really enjoying here is we were in this hotel a few years ago, and I remember recording a podcast in which I mentioned this, but I think it's such an outrageous and bold claim that this hotel we're in, apparently in 1910, served... Oh, hang on a minute. No, 19... Yeah, 1910, served the first sandwich in Mexico. Now, two questions are raised here. Can you stand that up? Can you stand up that claim? And two, why did it take to the early 20th, 20th century? for sandwiches to get to Mexico. I'm not, I'm not sure I buy it. I'd like to know I'd like to know what the sandwich was and how they then deemed it a sandwich. Did did no was no one basically paying attention to I don't know culinary history of everywhere else and then accidentally came across it or did they spot it f- like a picture went, oh that looks good we should make that i like to think somebody was just messing about with bread and ingredients they all like came together and then they archimedes style went running down the street shouting eureka i suspect they've probably been fully clothed unlike uh the archimedes legend one of course he was supposed to be uh supposed to be naked having just jumped out of the bath and working out displacement i think it was no, there's, no, there's nowhere to go after that that's absolutely there? fascinating it's my my random do you fact. reckon they were then really disappointed when they realized that sandwiches were a thing and had been around a while yeah it's like when you come up with a brilliant idea you think i bet nobody's thought of this like this podcast well exactly yeah yeah we have we i thought i've invented the podcast when we when we came up with this but otherwise there were there were thousands out there although i, sh- I shouldn't say that because then people might listen to other ones I, I wouldn't there are no other podcasts of course well let's actually get on with uh, what we're here to talk about otherwise people might might bore of our witterings James, Max Verstappen won by 17.3 seconds from Sebastian Vettel. Dominant victory, set the pace through most of the weekend, although not in qualifying. Yeah, Um, it's a good point because he was quick Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Saturday morning. And then when it came to qualifying, it was incredibly close between him and his teammate, uh, Dan um, Ricciardo, who right at the death in his final run in Q3 pipped Max by, I think, 0.026 Spot on If my memory serves me correctly So um, it was very tight And you could see Max was a little annoyed He came on the radio He was complaining of um, the rear locking um, Under braking He he was adjusting the brake balance the whole time To try and uh, make the car more stable And you saw when he just glided in um, Onto the grid at the end of qualifying He just let his foot off the brake Didn't he? And he's knocked over the second place board So he was clearly annoyed that... um, he had been the four man all weekend and his teammate had pipped him to pole position. I think fully justified, you saw today, he he got a much better start. Um, he he actually was comfortable in the lead, um, fully deserved his win. And I think it made up for his disappointment of yesterday, certainly. He was um, the architect of his own downfall almost on, on Saturday because Max was, was blaming this sort of situation of having too much rear locking. and But supposedly it's linked to um it's linked to the mapping basically in the engine which is basically the timing of when they do the downshift and come off throttle and then how that all ties together basically and the basically uh, max carries more speed into the corner under braking than than daniel which is why max is basically more exposed to this problem um so it affects it affected verstappen fractionally more than it did ricardo it wasn't like there was a mystical problem that he had that, that the other car didn't. It's traits of the circuit and the, and, and the way the engines are mapped. And it, it was just one of those things, I think, that Max was slightly more vulnerable to because of the way he drives. Um, and I guess the frustration was probably because he was obviously not to the same extent, but he must have had sort of flashbacks to Monaco uh, where him and him and Ricardo were the, the, the only two really, that or not the only two, but here in Mexico, they were the two quickest. It looked like it was between them and unlike in Mexico, Max had established an actual advantage over all of the practice sessions. And yet, when it mattered, it was Ricardo that came up with the goods. So I bet Verstappen was very, very relieved to negotiate those first couple of corners, having gone side by side with Hamilton, who also got a better start than Ricardo, and emerging front because that 
that was a lot of the work done, wasn't it, uh, for to set up the race? So just to pick up on the, the qualifying point in the characteristics of the car, you could see that in turn 13 in the stadium section. Ricardo was quicker in the stadium on both his runs in, uh, in Q3. In turn 13, the left-hander, the first one, Ricardo got it nicely hooked up. Max, not quite so much. And on the second run, Max, much wider. He's just trying to make up, make up the time. So, yeah, I think the point you're making there is very valid about the fact that, yes, there were problems with the car to Max's style, but they weren't problems with the car, if you see what I mean. It wasn't something that was going wrong. It's just something wasn't really to his satisfaction anyway. And I think that's why he was kicking himself. He said he didn't sleep much much overnight. But, the yeah, the start was going to be quite a, a, a challenging moment. I know there were those within Red Bull who were very worried. It's a long run down to the first corner. 800 metres. Uh, the second is the longest run to a breaking point. Oh, no, sorry. I beg your pardon. It's the longest run to turn one of the year if you include Sochi being that little kink as turn one. So that technically the run down to turn two in Sochi is longer. <laughs> That's a good technicality. No, but Sochi, Sochi is longer. But obviously with the, uh, there's still a power advantage even at altitude. So they were, they were very concerned. And in fact, Dan Ricardo didn't make a great start from pole position. So straight away, the uh, Lewis Hamilton was on the attack and Verstappen had to, had to deal with him. And he did do well, Scott, through those first few corners. Because there was a point where he just thought, oh, is he going to be able to hang on here? Is Lewis going to try and, dive around the outside of course we've seen those we've seen drivers do that before I think we've seen Hamilton and Verstappen do that before and have have contact there in Mexico I'm trying to remember my uh, previous few years but anyway we've seen drivers uh, have, have incidents there yeah he did very well it's um it struck me as an example of exactly the sort of thing in the first six races of this year Maxwell had a collision in just that sort of minor misjudgment that we saw in the first few races but he's uh He's obviously not a different driver. He'll, he'd headbutt me if, he, if I said uh, said he was a different driver because, as we all know, he didn't change his approach after those first few that, races. That's, that's not just an accusation of random violence, but he did say that in the Canadian Grand Prix press conference. Yeah, when not, he was to asked me about explicit, not to me explicitly. I wasn't actually in Canada. It would have been a very bizarre thing for him to threaten to the one journalist that wasn't actually there. I, uh, I was in the room for that one. I don't think that one was directed at me. No, well, maybe not. The, but there was one in Singapore that was directed at you. It was the, um, the double-finger salute, wasn't it? He just indicated on, on both hands which position he would like to finishing it was it was in, in, in it was in jest <laughs> and it shows a bit of character that's what i like to see i'll tell you what i was going to say about turn one lewis you saw did break early it, max covered the inside lewis thought there's no reason to try and take the lead and risk anything here because the most important thing for lewis was to finish that race but what was fascinating on the run down to turn one and there's a, that i think there was a helicopter shot is how they boxed in the ferraris a little bit how mercedes had done the same in sochi and you could see um, Seb getting a really good run but he had nowhere to go yeah, he said it was impossible for him to attack in yeah. turn one they, 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 he, I think Lewis Lewis had him covered perfectly and then you saw Bottas got, it, got a brilliant run as well and he got himself into third didn't he but it was only then when Danny Rick was sort of um, going toe to toe with him round two and three that Bottas he got, got a wiggle on back. didn't he coming through the first corner as well so that that wouldn't have helped just a slight wiggle and then he uh, lost a big enough wiggle demonstrated by Scott Mitchell for, his bottle, for, for a bottle of water to fall off something that he was near. And then at turn four and five, Vettel then got a, a, a run on him, didn't he? And they just slightly made contact. But we didn't see the Ferrari spin with a front wheel to front wheel contact this year. This Sorry, this race, so as we've seen so many times before. So just managed to get away with it. So despite the predictions of, uh, I think Toto Wolf predicted carnage at the start of this uh, this year's race, it actually was surprisingly trouble-free. It was... Um, it- it, it didn't have any of those that that spectacular collision or anything like that but it was a really fascinating run through those first few corners and I, I suspect there was quite a few people that were kind of hoping that there'd be some maybe bigger fireworks but from a racing perspective it was brilliant because you had so much going on we had such fine judgments and we saw further down the order how easy it is to get that wrong and just basically rear end someone or, or, or put your wheel or wing where where it's not wanted and I thought Verstappen did really well there and, and he probably did take advantage of Lewis knowing I'd, I've done. Uh, I've already probably ticked off my my to do list for the start. I've got ahead of one of the Red Bulls. I, I don't think he would have cared which one. He got ahead of one. He put a car between himself and and Vettel. Briefly, two cars between himself and Vettel. So, for, but at that point, that that was the race done because Verstappen's been so quick here, and he has this he has this incredible trait, which I think he honed um, at, at Toro Rosso which is a remarkable ability to lap so quickly and but look after his tires and in a race where Vettel had to back up Vettel said he was surprised that everyone pit as early as they did in the first stint 
but he said, oh, but that could be because I decided early on in this stint that there was no point in me pushing because I couldn't get anywhere. So he backed off. That's the only reason he was able to make the hypersofts, uh, the ultrasofts last in the first stint. But Verstappen just, he just seems totally in control. The only reason he made a second pit stop was so because Red Bull wanted to cover a late safety car. Mm. He, he, he was so supreme in his time management and the, the, even though he'd built up this massive lead he could have gone to the end of the race on a one stop he was also very calm I was listening into his uh, into his radio and he was getting the gap initially to Hamilton he said well it would be useful to extend it a little bit more and then when the pit stops are settled down he said right this is a good lead you just need to match what's going on behind you and he's, yeah. he's like yep yeah, fine the only thing where they, they had to try and keep a bit of control under him was later on when he was fancying a bit of a go at the fastest lap and he was getting radio messages saying I know what you're doing Max it's not necessary and he said oh it's nice and that there was a moment where he briefly took fastest lap and then Bottas who was on the um, fresh on the hypersofts and the fresh rubber the end, yeah. nicked it back off him but uh, that's that Vettel-esque trait of being really determined to, to nick the fastest lap I was just about to say it's, it's, there's a bit of Vettel about that isn't there um, it's just I when there's those moments part of me sort of thinks really pragmatically and just thinks oh you're being a bit foolish here a bit immature your teammates just retired with a mechanical problem and you've got a race absolutely sewn up and you're pushing really hard for no reason part of me sort of thinks maybe they should just slap him on the wrist for that. I mean, they're not being too forceful over the radio, but it's a bit stupid. And then part of me just goes, I just quite like seeing it. Actually seeing someone out there pushing in a race is quite a rare situation these days when everyone's constantly complaining about conserving tyres and fuel. It was such a shame, wasn't it, for for Danny Rick, who came to a smoky halt. What was it, lap? Uh, nine laps from the end, roughly. Ten laps, I think. Ten so. laps from the end, it stopped at yeah, turn you one. You saw him, just, just couldn't believe it. And he did that when he was being driven off on the on the back of the, the motorbike. He just had that sort of moment where he just sort of cursing it. It was yeah. just, just fed up. He, I mean, he's really fed up of it happening. I saw him briefly in the paddock after, and he is somebody just wanted to get out of there. He was just fed up of this because obviously he had the failure in Austin. The whole second part of his season, he's been dogged by problems. And, you know, he, he was a going to be a decent weekend he was doing a really good job to try and hold off Sebastian Vettel who I think had had the kind of the best of his, yes, his tyre advantage yeah. so it, it, initially you thought oh Ricardo's not going to be able to hold on here but then it stabilised and you thought yeah they're going to get a 1-2 here it's um it's I think it's Ricardo's eighth retirement in 19 races which I think and I think six of the eight are for mechanical reasons so not not crashes or anything like that and I've got his quotes here that he, he said to TV crews after the race because this this was a stunning rant Uh, he said i don't think frustration is the word anymore everything feels hopeless honestly now where i am i don't see the point of coming on sunday i don't see the point of doing the next two races i haven't had a clean race or weekend in so long i'm not superstitious or any of this bullshit but the car's cursed i don't have any more words helpless i think is the best word even today the starts are beginning all weekend the practice starts and for the race start it's all over the place just things are happening on sunday which i've got no more explanation for the car i'll let Gasly drive it i'm done with it he did have the air of somebody who was only interested in coming back for barcelona testing pre-season i think if i think if you said to him oh do you fancy do you fancy just stepping aside for a couple of races and letting pierre Gasly have a go he said yeah of course I, i'm sure he'll he'll sort of calm down but i can't blame him particularly when you know max verstappen's had his had his day winning in the race ricardo obviously losing out uh, on, the, on the lead so yeah i mean it you can't blame him for being incredibly frustrated about this. And it was so great to see him buoyant yesterday. I think he said after qualifying, I'm really trying to re- rein it all in at the moment because my excitement of getting pole position. Only his third pole and his first outside of Monaco. And so, um, and, and what was it? Red Bull's first front row lockout since Austin 2013. So the first of their hybrid era. So it's been a curious um, curious circuit, hasn't it, Ed? I know we've been just discussing it quite a lot over the weekend. We all suffer from the altitude, don't we? When we... You climb the stairs, you very quickly get out of breath and your legs get very heavy. What is the 22% less oxygen? Yeah, it's, it's around that, yeah. It's about 2,225-ish metres, the, the circuit, so yeah, about 22% less air density. So what? The, so that's negated the gap that you would normally have from the Renaults to the Mercedes, principally? To a point. I mean, the, the basic situation is that less air, obviously, basically all you're doing in an engine is blowing things up to create, create your power effectively. Less oxygen to explode means means less power so that the v6 engine itself they're all less powerful but you you lose a percentage of your power so if you've got more power proportionally you lose more so that that mitigates yes the deficit should we say that obviously the ers package remains the same because yeah. that's an electrical motor that doesn't matter although connected to that you do have to work the turbo, turbo harder. harder to get the same so pressure i guess what we've seen there i know we know renault were concerned about the the v6 itself the, the internal combustion engine there that's sort of the, the 
a big area of weakness that they're trying to work on now. So that disadvantage was mitigated. Clearly, their Earth package is working reasonably well. They wouldn't be able to do what they've they've done here. So that helps. And then you've got all these things. You've got less. You've got less air density. So everybody's running the maximum downforce package near enough, but they're still getting Monza or sub Monza total aerodynamic load. So if you've got the if you've got a very good car in terms of downforce, you're in good shape, which Red, Red Bull, Bull does. Has, yeah. Very well balanced car. Good grip, not massive understeer or oversteer. Good on the tyres. The car's been always been good on its tyres, the Red Bull, this year. And just get this virtuous circle where it makes it easier to look after the tyres. They had uh, graining phases on the tyres, just as Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas did, but they were able to, to work through them. So kind of all these factors, the mechanical package as well, you know, good grip levels. The power delivery is not, maybe not quite as aggressive, so that perhaps helps with the, with the rear tyres. It's just all these things that kind of negate well, mitigate some of the disadvantages and maybe play a bit more to the strengths and of, it, of the Red Bull. And it's amazing, isn't it? Because you look at where Valtteri is finished in fifth place. He was he had been lapped. And then the next runner on the road, Nico Hulkenberg, he was two laps down. And from, from Nico down to, well, the two Hasses, the, the, the rest of the field were two laps down on the Red Bull. So it's inc- quite an incredible advantage that they had over the opposition. Well, yeah, dominant, dominant. And we look at the fact that Verstappen could just take that luxury pit stop because he built such a big lead, even over, and that was even before you start looking at, at Vettel behind, who was the real comparison car, because Ricardo was, was doing well. But it's, you know, make, they've, Scott, they, they've identified this very much as an important race, haven't they? You know, we've, we've talked in the past about the engine changes, that, that the, the power unit components they were bringing in and taking penalties because they wanted to be on top form for Mexico. Yeah, well, Verstappen had made a point all year of saying, because everyone goes, okay, well, Monaco, you, you, you've got a good chance of winning Monaco. You can win Hungary, maybe Singapore. And he always said, and Mon- and Mexico. He was always adamant that Mexico, having won here last year, was going to be an opportunity. And, and fair play to Red Bull, because, um, okay, obviously, uh, Lewis was able to use the wet qualifying in Budapest, wasn't he, to set up a, a, the win there. And then there was obviously the stunning performance from Hamilton in, in Singapore as well to, to to win there. But but Rebel dominated the Monaco weekend they and they, they dominated here and it's just a bit I don't I don't I don't suspect suspect that they, they see it this way. They they see the race as bittersweet obviously because Ricardo retired, but it feels a little bit bittersweet because it's kind of pointless that they've won now. It's just disappointing that it's we got to this like imagine if we were able to have this more regularly have these three teams in the mix have three different cars uh, from uh, three different makes going wheel to wheel on the first lap and and not really knowing sort of which is the quickest package and it all being defined by how well they switched the tires on on Friday which obviously set everyone up for the rest of the weekend because Red Bull clearly got down to business well on Friday Mercedes and Ferrari were nowhere on Friday so they were already on the back foot we just don't see that enough and 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 it's it might sound a bit stupid to become all negative and doom and gloom after a really good race but it's such a shame that this is a once in every five race occurrence this season well i think you've uh you've written a little bit about this for your for your column in motorsport news haven't you jimmy about the about, about the kind of variables that these unusual races bring yeah one of the, the the point i started making was how first of all how good the mexican grand prix is and how much the promoters do to support this event you saw there was a uh, before the race the day before was it just after the driver's parade there was almost a um olympic style opening ceremony with um huge uh, uh puppets i think for want of a better word um and displays and dancers and and all sorts of acts that were, were going through the forest soul the um the stadium that was built um on the outside uh of the final sector i remember when and i first course, placido domingo yeah and placido <laughs> domingo came and the mariachi bands and and in the paddock there was um uh there was a, a dj playing there was which some of the stalls. teams weren't particularly no, happy with imagine that could, would have caused a, a few headaches as people as engineers are trying to study n- numbers just hearing this constant four to the floor <laughs> beat <laughs> dance beat but uh uh but the, the organisers put on a really good show. They they're very proud and they want to um, extol Mexico and, uh, and 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 the great place that this is. And for the last, I think two or three years, they won the FIA Promoter of the Year award um, at the FIA Gala. And then and then at the end, you've got um, what was that DJ's name? Armin van Buren, who was um, on the, the on the podium. Uh, entertaining the fans anyway what was your point so the point is the that the circuit does so much to try and put on a good show 
But ultimately, you want a really good show when you can't predict who's going to be on pole position or to win the race. And that's still the fundamental thing that you need to keep coming back to. And that's why the strange altitude and the strange track surface has thrown up an interesting result. And, and that's that's a, a great plus for the for this Grand Prix. But we need that more regularly, don't we? That's the, that's the key. Autosport.com editor Glenn Freeman sort of joked about this and said, can we not host every race at high altitude? Let's just, I, and I agree, I think we should put all of the other circuits on stilts so they're really high up. Silverstone, lift that up in the air. It'd just be brilliant. But th- this is one of the things I think makes Mexico so special. I'm glad that the promoter puts a lot of effort into making the off-track stuff good because they've got something here that, cannot be replicated in how often do we hear promoters talk about or oh, we need to learn from this race or we need to learn from this it doesn't matter what uh, they i'm sure they can learn some stuff off track but it doesn't matter if any other grand prix wants to have a race that can be as good as the mexican race because no one you can never replicate the conditions here the closest is brazil which is what 800 meters yeah, above sea level it's 1500 lower than, than we are at 2300 that's, that's the second yeah. Second tallest, second highest, second highest race of the the year. So it is, it is unique. I almost said it's really unique. Then, which is obviously not something you can really say. And And Stuart Codlin is listening; he'd be furious (laughs) with me. And it did, of course, create the problems because we've talked about Red Bull. Obviously, Sebastian Vettel finished second from Kimi Räikkönen. They came through the um, the Mercedes drivers. Vettel obviously passed Hamilton on track because the Mercedes drivers were struggling so much with tyres. Now. There's nothing wrong with the strategy. There's nothing wrong. They're starting on the right tyre. They switched to the right tyre at, at the second stop at the, at the right sort of time when they had to. Yeah. But James, it just didn't. It just didn't work for them. This is the most uncompetitive Mercedes performance I think we can remember in the in the V6 hybrid era. Yeah. You see. You looked at how angry Lewis's tyres looked um, uh, during the race. The the rears the rears looked bad, but particularly the front left. You saw so much graining as well. And um, it, it, it was frustrating. I think I think after the problems they had on Friday, Lewis said after qualifying yesterday how delighted he was, given how from from what a bad place they'd they'd got to. So they'd they'd worked on on setup to try and to try and help things. But I think it's just a I think it's just a condition of of this circuit, the 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 the, the temperatures. Um, I'm not sure there's anything in it in 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 the fact that you know they've had their wheel rear wheel rims not on the car in Austin and here. I asked Toto directly after the race whether that was significant, and he immediately said no. That's 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 got. And that's even though they they did, in fact, Mercedes took it to the stewards themselves to clarify. Do you think these are legal? The, the steward said, "Well, yes, we do think they are." Although, of course, you can still challenge that, but they they opted to to run without them. I don't know how long we've been talking, 20, 25 minutes now, but um, we haven't yet really addressed the fact that Lewis tonight is a five-time Formula One world champion. And what an extraordinary achievement. And uh, I mean, I think the Sun newspaper managed to get hold of the nephew of Juan Manuel Fangio for for a story this morning. And Juan Manuel Fangio II, Juan Manuel. A, a very fine racing driver in his own right. Uh, but to to equal Fangio's achievements and just to be two behind Michael Schumacher now um, is it, just the most it's the most brilliant um, success story for for British sport, but also for 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 Lewis's career, his journey, and and also um, I I'd say I another question I asked Toto was, do you think that Lewis has driven better in this championship than in, than the previous? Um, uh, th- three that he's won with Mercedes and he said unquestionably he says yeah, I can't remember the last time he properly made a, a serious mistake this does feel like a championship that while a lot of people have bigged up the errors that Vettel and Ferrari have made I don't see this as a championship they've thrown away I see it as a championship that Hamilton and Mercedes have won whether it's the moments of brilliance that we've seen from Lewis at times this season for example um, fighting back through the field at, at Silverstone um, the qualifying lap in the wet in, in Hungary that set him up to win there, the the unexpected win in Singapore, which was linked to Mercedes doing a brilliant job turning around their fortunes and just um, getting rid of that run of uh, sort of Ferrari m- momentum that had been building and going on a, a four-race win streak. The, Hamilton and Mercedes have been very, very good this year. They've faced up to the biggest challenge they've had in this era of F1. And... Hamilton has com- quite comfortably seen off Vettel. I don't think there's any dispute now over which of the two is better. 
Vettel is a very, very good. He's a great racing driver. But Hamilton is better. Hamilton is the best driver of his generation. Yeah, he's definitely managed to cut out the bad days that were once there in the past. I mean, people will say today was a bad day, but there was nothing he could have done. He was he, ahead he, of Bottas. Yeah, he was ahead of Bottas. He finished fifth. Bottas had the same problems. The front finished fourth. The f- finished fourth. Yeah, I keep forgetting Ricardo retired. Um, so the front left tire graining was such a big problem that there was not. You know, okay, he was questioning it because he was baffled because he just had no grip. The t- they couldn't get the tire switched. Front tire switched. It was, it was horrible. But he kept going. He kept plugging away. And he got fifth, fine. Didn't lose his head, did he? Didn't, yeah, yeah. He didn't hear any uh, any histrionics really on the radio? No, he's well, quest- questioning bit, it a few times, yeah, but that's because of, he's probably sat there thinking, why is this car so rubbish? He was basically <laughs> just like, you're either giving me... What is that bit? He said, you're either giving me the wrong times or something's wrong because he just couldn't believe that they were doing that. So there was, a, there was a little bit of that, but it was nothing near what we saw or heard rather in Austria, for example, where the race started to go away from them and he basically had to have the team come over the radio and say, no, you can still, you're still really good and you can still do this. And we didn't have any of that. It just feels that... In fairness, in Austria, he was justified in being a little bit... Yeah, he was very furious. <laughs> but, but the point is, he, he does maximise the, the opportunities now. He doesn't leave points on the table. I think he's elevated himself to a new level this year. I think that oh, the, the Hamilton yeah. that we saw, which is ludicrous to think when you say, like, we mm. watched him as a... a two, three, four-time world champion doing the business. He defeated Vettel and Ferrari last year. He's um, he's beaten everybody he's come up against, hasn't he? Right back to first season with Fernando Alonso. But this year, just... I, I think I said this a couple of months ago. I don't think Fernando in a Ferrari would have beaten Lewis in a Merck this year. I thought I think Lewis has been absolutely outstanding. Might have pushed, can, can him, you, might have pushed him closer. I, I was going to say, can you articulate the word that describes the face you pulled when Scott made that assertion? Um, incredulity. <laughs> I mean, it may have been it may have been closer, but I think Hamilton. He's just he just keeps getting better, and this is what you always look for when these top drivers when they start to drop off. Whether it's for it's usually motivational reasons that that leads to it, or they're getting bored, or they're, or they're just or the car's not up to what they want to do, or or sometimes it can be physical things. They're not willing to put the same effort in there. They need to, but but Hamilton keeps getting better. And that's that's the interesting thing. When people start asking about can he break Schumacher's records, the answer is yes, he can. Will he? There's a reasonable chance, but you, you just don't know. But it's the fact he's still getting better. So we're looking for these guys coming up, people like Verstappen. But it's not like Verstappen's going up and Hamilton's crested his peak and is on the way down. He's still working still, yeah. towards that peak. Yeah. And that's going to dictate whether he's still here in six years' time as a eight-times world champion or, or whether he's, he retires on five, six, seven. Sebastian said something interesting. So we saw that lovely moment where Seb went over to congratulate him and, 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 and they had a little bit of a talk and Seb was asked subsequently, what did you say? He says, well, I'm, I'm not the sort of chap, chap to share, but what he did say was, um, <clears throat> uh, Lewis, keep fighting next year, keep pushing next year because I want to I want to beat you next year, but I want you to still be at your best, which is a really interesting um, sort of admission that he 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 Vettel's now in a position where he has been beaten, and I thought he looked incredibly dejected um, in the post race press conference. You could see he had his head in his hands, and it was almost like it, it, it was the, the moment it's all over. It all sort of came came flooding out of him, didn't it? Well, it shows that regardless of the mathematics, regardless of what was realistic and what was likely, there that the reason he's a four time world champion, there was that part of him that still believed he was able to win the title otherwise he wouldn't have reacted that way because he said afterwards he's aware that it, it was probably something that everybody expected himself included he'd done the maths he, he 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 knew the situation but that doesn't mean that when it finally happens you don't feel it and it would have been wrong it would have been it would have said something quite bad about Sebastian I think if he hadn't reacted that way um but one thing that I, Vettel did in the race which I was really pleased to see because he's obviously had such a rubbish time of it of late I love the movie pulled on Lewis, but it like put him under pressure. And before that, was it Ricardo he'd nailed under breaking into turn one? Because with yes, Lewis, yes. he put, put yeah. Lewis under pressure, didn't he? And Lewis locked up and went off. But before that, he'd absolutely nailed Ricardo with a brilliant move down the inside. Got it stopped. It was absolutely and flawed. as well. It was exactly the, the the move on Ricardo was the sort of move you expect to see Ricardo, and that, and I think that is probably the highest praise I can give an overtaking maneuver in Formula One. I mean, these are two outstanding drivers you know Sebastian Vettel has had his mistakes this year 
but he still, when everything's right, and I still wonder exactly whether everything's exactly as it should be within the Ferrari environment. Yet he worked very, very well in in Red Bull. So you start asking, well, does he have the right race engineer, etc.? Does it? Are you able to calm that more emotional side? It's, it's the process, right? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But Vettel is a great driver, and if someone people are just thinking, oh, it's easy for Hamilton because Vettel's rubbish, he's not. He's driven Vettel's driven some fantastic races this year. He's a really, really outstanding driver, and I think regardless of whether you're a Hamilton fan or a Vettel fan or you don't mind. You've got a four times world champion battling with now a five times world champion for the title. Plus, you've got these guys like Ricardo, Verstappen. You know, it's a fantastic time to be able to enjoy these things because in 50 years' time, people are going to look back and say, wow, it would have been incredible to see this. So that, that's why it's really, it's, it's really important just to step back and say, blimey, Lewis Hamilton is a five times world champion. What, what an incredible driver. And to see just him, as well as that, that sheer speed, just to see his, his calculating on track. That's what I really like now about the, what you might, might call the more recent few years of, of Lewis Hamilton. And the, and the respect between the two is so good. Did you see that moment where, um, it was on social media, where uh, Seb went into the um, Mercedes engineer's room and um, shook James Allison's hand and uh, said that, congratulations to all the guys and came out again? I mean, that was, uh, considering where his state of mind was, to actually go ahead and do that, I don't think he did it. He's not the sort of chap who does anything for show. It was a genuine congratulations. He's a sincere guy, Vettel. Yeah, absolutely. What I um, what I admired in the press conference was uh, he was basically bombarded with quite a few questions of a very similar nature, and uh, he could very easily have lost his rag. He could very easily have said, "I've answered this," but he he kept speaking, and this is where I think he had that balance between um, he had the disappointment because he still believed he was going to win it, or still thought he had a chance to win it, and the acknowledgement that the defining moments had already happened so it was now out of his control so previous weekends where he's made mistakes he has been a bit terse he has been a bit short he's been easily annoyed because those are in the moment where he realizes that this is throwing away the title or this is ruining our title chances whereas here was more of a I'm really disappointed that it's happened but I did kind of expect it to happen here as well so I'm going to open up a little bit more about why I don't think X was the defining moment. And he was really good, actually. About his, For example, he talked about Germany skating off into the wall and on, on slicks in the rain, saying, I've made biggest mistakes in that this year, but that was the most costly because of how it happened and, and, and what transpired. And it was just good to... It was good to get back to the sort of Vettel that I think everybody likes and respects, which is someone who's able to face up to faults in himself and the team without getting a little bit mardy basically it was just it was just a good side of him to see but coming back to lewis james do you see any sign of him being someone who's going to hang up his helmet anytime soon and rest of that there have been times where you've where you've wondered but right now he seems in a good place there have been times when you have wondered that but a driver doesn't normally hang up his helmet when he's winning and 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 he's in his um achieving more wins and is successful and is is at the top of his game I think Nico Rosberg was the exception. Uh, so, and I think the way the the relationship with Mercedes has developed over the years, and that they they've been allowed to give him a lot more trust and a lot more freedom. So he's been able to go off and do his own thing. He's been able to go and do his music. And to um, uh, Tommy um, Tommy Hilfiger was there, wasn't he? Um, made a random appearance in the press conference to congratulate him. Uh, this evening, so I, I I don't see him hanging up his helmet anytime soon. I do see him closing in on Michaels. I think he was talking about how uh, what is he still about twenty short? So he's still got a f- couple of more years um, uh, of successful winning to to get there. But I think a really interesting thing about Lewis in comparison with Michael, because you always want to com- compare great drivers and where they stack amongst each other, is that Lewis is certainly the cleaner driver, isn't he? When Michael won some of his world championships at the wire and they're a little bit dubious, um, you think immediately Hareth comes to mind or Adelaide 94. But Lewis has always prided himself on trying to beat somebody and doing it the right way and the clean way and never having that. He's never a driver who, who on the racetrack um, puts his elbows out, does he? He'll always back off at a corner and tuck in on the uh, at the next round and properly try and race them cleanly and fairly. I I also I respect the fact that that Lewis has won titles with two teams. I think that immediately is that that's one of the things that obviously Vettel gets questioned and criticised for is that he's only had success with Red Bull. And I actually and 
I've, I might be opening myself up to massive criticism here. I actually think Lewis has won his titles in a harder way than Michael has. Because if I look at Schumacher's championships and I compare them to Hamilton's, if you think Hamilton obviously could have had a title in his first year, which you think would have was in literally the worst situation for a rookie driver going up against Fernando Alonso. And he had the, he had the measure of Alonso. It was only because he faltered right at the end. Then he beat a brilliant Felipe Massa and who who absolutely floored Kimi Raikkonen at Ferrari. And then he's had, whereas Schumacher didn't have this in his dominant Ferrari years, Hamilton did, has had genuine uh, a threat from the inside at Mercedes and that has been followed up by Vettel at Ferrari. And I, and I, and I know that Schumacher had those those bat, the battles with Hill and, and, and Hakkinen in 2000, but then it seemed quite, Easy, and I know 2003 in particular was was difficult with the, the points change and Kimi emerged at at McLaren and you, the Williams was really good in the first half of the year. But I I think when you look at it, I, I think Hamilton he's certainly not had it easier. And people do think he's had it easy in the Mercedes era, and I, I think that does him a bit of a disservice. I think there is a tendency to not value and in, in any sport the the performance of today. I know that there is the case. Toto Wolff said it that you, do, you can only really place a driver where they stand among the greats once they've mm. retired and been able to reflect on it. But that's why I think it's really important to actually enjoy and appreciate this that you have got a great driver. You know, this what we're seeing now, watching Hamilton perform, and it might sound like sacrilege to some, is the same effectively as watching Fangio in the fifties rack up those titles. You just stand back and go, "Wow, what what an incredible achievement!" And I think it, it, you're missing out on it if you're not, even if you're not a Hamilton fan. If you're not just able to say, "Well, you're not my favourite driver," I'm cheering for the other guy, but you're you're a quality driver. Um, can I share a little anecdote with you? Being nope. uh, being <laughs> being in this part of the world and on the evening of a Lewis Hamilton World Championship takes me back to 2008 and in, into Lagos when he won it on the last corner when Timo Glock ran wide and he came through. Massa thought he'd done enough; he'd won the race, and then we all know famously what happened. I was in the McLaren garage for that. It was absolute pandemonium. <laughs> Well, I remember that night going to some event. I can't remember where it was or, or exactly what it was, but I bumped into Timo Glock, who was sitting there all quietly, just sipping a beer on his own. And I said, Timo, can I just tell you, you are extremely famous in Britain this evening. And he looked up at me and he went, yes, in Brazil also. <laughs> it was funny because after the race, I saw Timo Glock in the paddock. So I thought, oh, I need to see what he had to say. And which just say for context, there's nothing Timo Glock could have done. He was in slicks on the wet. His his last lap was almost identical to Trulli's in the same condition. He couldn't even get to 100% throttle by the line. If you look at the eventual gap, it was it was seconds. Lewis yeah. was was gone. So no, but basically the Brazilians were haranguing him as if it was some put up job. And I sort of waited for a couple of Brazilians to do it, and then I spoke to Glock, and obviously because he was a bit riled by the Brazilians, kind of he he made some good comments on it. I just always always remember that. It's it's funny when you get these incidental kind of characters a bit harsh to call a podium finisher incidental character but but, but Lewis spoke um quite um openly as he as he does every time he wins a world championship and lo- he's fired lots of questions and he thoughtfully answers all of them but Scott haven't you um you've got a personal um uh, uh, um link to one of the answers he gave we should just say former karting superstar Scott Mitchell for, no absolutely not former uh, Carter Former Carter, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so in the in the Champions press conference, Lewis was basically talking about um, when he was starting out karting, and he was uh, he would race down at, at Rye House, and he said his uh, his dad would always go out, and um, he'd pick out the the guy at the time that was doing all the winning, and he would say, uh, basically, his dad would watch his lines, his breaking points, how he was driving, and basically tell Lewis to copy him and the um the the kid the the kid did was a kid called Nicky Richardson British champion um he won everything there was going in in cadet racing at the time he was um he was more experienced he was the established guy when Lewis came on onto the scene um and uh Nicky basically carted I think for another couple of years I think he went into junior TKM it just didn't work out for whatever reason and that was it that was the end of his professional career um and uh, he is the older brother of my um, university friend and uh, university karting teammate, Joey Richardson. So I, I've uh, I've met Nicky a few times. He's a ludicrously talented kart driver. He does a bit of um, like kart intuition now. He does uh, some work for an arrive and drive karting company called Club 100 in the UK. And um, he, I think this year, became a, uh, a driving instructor on the road. Not, not a race car driver instructor, just a regular 
good old-fashioned car driving instructor and I had a when Lewis mentioned him I thought oh this is absolutely brilliant I have to message Nicky and I got a message back from him this evening and he was absolutely chuffed over the moon that Lewis has mentioned his name it's brilliant is it it's it's almost the Fullerton moment do you remember in, exactly, the, yeah, in, yeah. in Senna's being it's asked exactly that yeah asked who who was his great uh, the, the, the most difficult person to beat and he referenced Terry Fullerton in karting so it's Lewis's own Fullerton moment in in some some strange sort of way I, 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 the reason I like that is because Every now and again, Lewis tells a story about from Cartin, and I think a few of us do roll our eyes because we've all heard the story about his supposed beaten up old cart and, and how he used to always come back through the field against people that had much newer and shinier carts. And, and I'm sure there, that is based in, based in truth in some way, but sometimes when you hear these stories from the past, they can be so generic as to sort of render themselves a little bit, oh, okay, fine, you just... To be so specific to the point where you're literally remembering the guy who uh, I'm told they were they were they were quite friends for rivals at the time and they even stayed over each other's houses. Like to to remember that someone that you lost contact with, what how old was Lewis now? So it would have been 22 years ago, something like that. I I think that's just really genuine and it, it shows that Lewis does stop and you're right consider his arguments he gets very thoughtful and and and, and yeah he does he, i think he gets a bad rep sometimes for being someone who comes across as arrogant and doesn't care and stuff like this and i think he's actually i think he's pretty decent with well, us. just on the subject of karting i always remember a few years ago when he was at the all sport awards um we always have the young a few of the young successful british carters had to be presented with with trophies and he was uh he was very keen when he came that he wanted to present some trophies then we had to sort of shuffle things around to accommodate that but it's great that he he wanted to kind of be there and do that and, and give the the kind of the same inspiration to to those young carters as as he got from as he mentioned earlier guys like Mickey Hacken and David Coulthard when he met them back in the day when he was a, on his way to becoming a McLaren affiliated driver well an- another example but sli- slightly different but I th- think very relevant is something else that came out this evening he talked about his legacy what he wants to be defined as and he obviously wants to be more than just a racing driver but he says he knows that he knows what it takes to try and carve out a professional career. And he knows what you sacrifice. And he says, and, and, and he plucked this number out of, uh, out of the air, but he said, you know, I, I, I think more than 50% of, of, of carters and, or drivers have bad educations because they skip school, they don't finish school, or they compromise it in, in, in some way. And, and Lewis is really keen to try and do something about that. He actually wants to, to, to speak with uh, Jean Todd, president of the FIA, and see what can be done about young drivers' educations, which I think's phenomenal the only person i've ever heard mention that was back when um adrian newey's son harrison was starting out in brdcf4 and i had a chat with adrian and he was being really careful about what he let harrison do because he was just like there's nothing no one takes it seriously the impact it has on these kids education for the adrian is the the brainiac of f1 isn't he so he knows the value of education and that but that's the that's that was four years ago now i've not heard anyone ever address that so i think for lewis to pinpoint it and say i'd quite like to maybe in a few years maybe if i might build a school or something like that outside but i also want to help the people in my sport and I, I think that's a fantastic little bit of insight into into what he's actually like what drives him and of course it's not just about successful drivers it's about successful teams and, and picking the right drivers which is something uh, actually some of you might enjoy doing yourself with team order racing manager if you ever wanted to manage your own formula one racing team build a successful car and issue tough team orders when needed now you can with team order racing manager available on google play and the app store give it a try i've been playing this and uh, my 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 plan to build up a team to conquer all is not not quite going to plan yet, but it's uh, it's getting there, and I'll, I'm I'm naturally blaming the drivers. I haven't quite got a Ham- Lewis Hamilton now, but I'm I'm pretty confident I'll get there. So I'd uh, urge everyone to try it. Team Order Racing Manager. Uh, let's have a look through the uh, what we might file as any other business. Uh, sixth place, Nico Hulkenberg, one uh, one class B. That's a pretty significant result because Renault was already kind of had one hand on fourth in the Constructors' Championship, which is their objective. And with that sixth place, now they're 30 points clear with two races remaining. There is a slight complication as well with the Haas appeal. But Scott, that's probably job done for Renault now, isn't it? But this resurgent performance here and in Austin. I think they feel quite confident, which when you think two or three weeks ago, how miserable and doom and gloom it was inside that team, the way the, the season was fading away. Um, they've, they've done a very good job to turn it around. They probably benefited from a couple of slightly irregular weekends. Obviously, Austin was weird because you had washed out Friday so everyone was a bit blind and then here 
its unique conditions. Uh, the the track was also really tricky with, uh, and the way the tyres worked was really tricky on Friday. So um, the bit with Renault that I had real sympathy for was Carlos Sainz Jr. We talked about Ricardo obviously having heartbreak late on, and Sainz's happened a bit earlier than that. But Sainz was driving a really good race after a like by his standards anyway, he considered it quite a miserable qualifying yeah, session. struggling with the rear tyre really massively. Diff- really difficult. Um, but he got ahead of Nico early on, didn't he? And um, he was driving really well. I think he was on for best of the rest on us. At, at yeah, that they'd, have been, they'd have been sixth and seventh, which is a I think very strong performance. Isn't that the second time that's this season where he's been the uh, best of the rest in Class B and he's had a mechanical failure? I can't remember. The uh, France, he had that problem, if you remember. Ooh, he he, he, he ran, lost power, didn't he? He, he lost the airs power and he was sixth, I think. So he ran third early on and he dropped back a few places. He did make the finish, but he lost... Uh, he dropped behind Magnus and Leclerc, I think. In yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's had... A, he's had um, it hasn't been a perfect season from science, but he's had he's had some bad luck, and he's really he's really had he has had a very good season. I've been impressed by the way he's sort of been finishing the year because even when Renault's had this dip, it has felt like Sainz has made the breakthrough he wanted to make in qualifying. And I remember him saying when he realised he was losing his Renault drive, um, obviously he snapped up the McLaren seat very quickly. But he, he said he's made it clear like it was very important for him to end the year on a high to basically prove something to himself and to Renault and to everybody basically that he'd got on top of why he was behind Hulkenberg earlier in the year and he and he did something about it and I, I, I think he's um he's improving all the time. He's gonna be a good asset to McLaren next yeah, he's, year. He's been very good and actually we should say um when he finished tenth at Suzuka, that was a really strong drive. He basically was a point out of uh, a point out of nothing. Um what else do we have in the minor points well, of spe- oh, speaking so, of yeah. McLaren as as a straw, sorry to interrupt but uh, kudos to Stoffel Vandal. Oh, how great is that? Yeah, for eighth eighth position after such a difficult season. And, and the crucial thing there was this was the first time we'd seen him kind of getting close again to uh, to Alonso. Point one oh nine in Q one was the difference. Much much better from that. That's a bit closer to the Vandal we know exists. Yeah, exactly. And he's had such a difficult season. I think he's the only driver, hasn't he, who's been who's been out qualified by a teammate. I think it's 23 consecutive times he's been out qualified by Alonso, unfortunately. Um, but but um, he's better than that. And while we're on the subject of Fernando, it was another thing that the organisers had done this weekend. They'd created um, face masks, hadn't they, with um, Fernando? And that, before the start of the race, there was a little thing where he he uh, paraded the Mexican flag, and they got a lot of fuss and attention. I saw on the grid his mechanics all wore the mask and. Um, it was a shame because he he retired on lap three, I think, with water pressure problems. Um, uh, partly, I'm not sure if it was a causational. Uh, it, he retired with water pressure problems. I think it might have been caused for when Esteban Ocon in front of him clipped the rear of, I think, either one of the Saubers or Hulkenberg's Renault, um, and his front wing went into Fernando's car. So he stopped. It became a missile, didn't it? Alonso was minding his own business, and there it was. He stopped two laps later, and by stopping, that denied him from potentially um, beating Michael Schumacher's record of the number of race laps raced laps in his Formula 1 career. Um, Scott, did you say you had the statistics in front of you of what he could have achieved? So if if he finishes every lap in Brazil in Abu Dhabi, he's still now going to be just short of this all-time record. Yes, that's right. So Michael Schumacher, and I've got this information from our wonderful statistics partner, Forex, uh, has completed 16,825 laps in his career. And Fernando Alonso has raced 170 laps fewer. So regardless of what happens, in he can do. I mean, he won't do all of the laps in Brazil and Abu Dhabi anyway, because he'll almost certainly be lapped at least once. But he will, um, he will fall short. Had he completed the race distance today, he would have, and then finished the final two Grand Prix, he would have uh, got ahead, eclipsed it. And it'll be interesting to see what Alonso could have done because we saw what Van Dorn was able, able to do, and Alonso certainly saw this as a chance to, uh, to get a result after some <laughs> some pretty difficult races. So yeah, we had Charles Leclerc seven, stuff of Van Dorn eighth, Marcus Eriksson ninth, picked up uh, another points finish. A, uh, a tidy weekend's work from him. Had a Pierre Gasly who came through from the back. Well, the combined result of Leclerc and Ericsson has lifted Sauber above Toro Rosso now in the fight for eighth in the championship. And Sauber's progression this season has uh, has turned a few heads. And uh, Otmar Zafnauer, the um, uh, racing point, racing Force India, racing point Formula One team, is massively impressed by what Sauber has done. He thinks they've actually their development curve is even ahead of a couple of the big teams. That's how, and he says, I don't know how they've done it. Uh, they've done a really good job. That uh, recover that rebuilding project at 
um, at, at Sauber is uh, really coming on strong. At the rate they're going, you wouldn't be totally surprised if they're consistent in the front of Class B uh, next season. You know, even just things like their pit stop performances uh, is uh, is very impressive. They're really really a team that are coming back into uh, coming back into form. Uh, yeah, and like I say, further back, Pierre Gasly through from the back. There are a few um, a few instances. Obviously, Ocon had a few a few moments. Pierre Gasly wasn't especially happy with with Ocon for what he thought not leaving enough space, leading him to going off the stewards. Disagreed and didn't uh, didn't give a penalty. And then Ocon had another mo- had another incident with Brendan Hartley, who Hartley was penalised for not leaving enough room at, at turn two. So uh, plenty going on for the Toro Rosso drivers. Yeah, and and I think Ocon at some point during the race said like it's just just nothing's going right at the moment. Uh, it's pretty miserable, which is a shame because. Um, Obviously, his teammate Sergio Perez um, in his home Grand Prix was driving a brilliant race on really long first stint. Every virtual safety car came out the perfect time. Everything was coming up, Sergio. And then the uh, brake pedal went long by the sounds of it. And um, he had to retire, which uh, which means, I think, Force India, um, the, well, the two Force Indias, they've lost their higher theoretical fourth place in the Constructors' Championship. And having looked so strong since their savior, uh, salvation from administration, sort of falling away a little bit again, isn't it, in the last couple of races for, 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 for those guys? It's also worth noting that, that Force India has now got a little bit of a fight on its hands to uh, to overhaul McLaren. 15 points the gap now. So that you know, McLaren may well not score in the last two races, but Force India need to get two cars home and pick up uh, pick up a, a, some some chunky points to get into sixth question i've got is do we know why the hasting was so poor this weekend they have uh the weakness of their car is the, the mechanical performance of it so they've they've developed some very efficient aerodynamics this season that's been a very strong point of theirs they're very profi- proficient in medium and high speed corners which mexico lacks it's more medium speed isn't it that fast fastest bits in the middle and that's not like flat out or high speed so it's not it doesn't suit the strengths of their car but uh, they also um they don't they they brought a proper body kit for cooling here and from what kevin magnuson was saying even after friday and saturday was uh not really performing as well as it needed to so i just think hamstrung on on all, on all sides and because that midfield battle was so tight you lose a few temps and you go from the front of it to the back so the next thing for us in, on our calendar is this Thursday. Is that right, Straw? The the, the Renault's appeal for the um, disqualification at Monza that's been heard, I think, on Thursday. Yeah, it's has chasing the points for the uh, for the illegal. Uh, so I'm, not, I'm not sure they've got a great chance of winning that one. Personally, um, they basically were were told to get the part change it was an interpretation of the regulation i go into it too much here they were basically told to change it by monza they sent an email saying oh we're going to do it by singapore because the parts they they got a reply but it was to a multifaceted email which didn't directly address that so they said oh that's all right then then they got protested i'd be very surprised if they get that monza result back i can't see a reason for them for them not to i think there are a few people that were surprised they've appealed um it seemed an open and shut case but Guess we'll see what uh, what's decided. We won't get a verdict straight away, though, will we, Ed? Uh, it depends. Uh, it varies with the FIA. Um, I'm not sure exactly what dictates how long it is, but sometimes we've had quite quick decisions. Sometimes it's taken a little bit longer for them to come up with the, the full uh, the full decision. But I suspect this one will be fairly fast. I mean, it has to make confident noises, but of course they do. Teams always make confident noises when they're protesting. But I think actually, as it happens now with where the points are, even if Grosjean gets that, what was it, sixth place at Monza back? Um, they won't actually. I don't think that's going to be enough. I mean, it, it, it will increase their chances, but they're going to need some big results. Hopefully, it'll be a few hours after event, a little bit like my uh, motorsport news report having been uh, to be finished a few hours after the event, which still hasn't been quite finished yet. Straw. So, um, uh, how much longer of the podcast? Yeah, will we, we, are, we are. We are. I get a telephone finish. call from a furious Matt James asking me where uh, where my copy is. Yes, well, we all have uh, bits and bits to do, so we shall wrap it up there after uh, yeah, hailing a great drive from Max Verstappen and uh, Lewis Hamilton's fifth world championship. There's loads of reaction and feedback from the race on autosport.com, so check that out. There's plenty of news from the rest of the world of motorsport. Also check out our Plus subscriber area, all sorts of in-depth features there, driver ratings. You can vote for rating out of 10 for, for each driver from the weekend. Autosport magazine out on Thursday. Motorsport news out on, uh, out on Wednesday. Check out sister titles F1 Racing magazine that's out monthly and also motorsport.com and also if you fancy a flutter pit stop betting download the app and uh state whatever you want on formula one nascar moto gp thanks for joining us 
We'll be back soon with another Auto Sport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.